plus plus we can produce these as um, as video. No. We can, we can. <laughs> it, but it's but it, but it does no, it. You no, can, we can no, do a joy. No, because then I have to get up an hour earlier to actually look like a human being and not a zombie. <laughs> Welcome to The Writer and the Critic, a monthly podcast devoted mostly to books, reviews, and whatever else takes our fancy. And here we are using new technology. Using new technology. Harvey Kirsten McDermott, my co-host. Hopefully we're using it and <laughs> it works. <laughs> we'll see. It's always a, a curve, but this one not, not too steep, I think. So if this sounds better to people, then it's because of the new tech. Also, because I got a new cord for my microphone. That probably always also helps. Always helps. Always helps. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, how have you been, Kirsten? I've been okay. I've been busy and travelling about the place for people's weddings, and but I'm home now for a few I, months. I saw lots I... of photos of you in uh, Brisbane. No, you didn't. Oh, from other people, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I thought you meant like I didn't take any and put any up anywhere because I don't. No, you to popped do up that. on people's feeds other, on Facebook. Other, other people's feeds, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it was quite. It was quite exciting to see you in the wild. I know, but I'm home again now for a few months, um, unless we go to Conflux, which is more than likely at this point. So that means I'm going to actually get some goddamn writing done. That's good. <laughs> That's, That's lovely. Good. And we sh- and we should note that um, this month. I'm plugging your book. This month, your uh, collection, your, it's not technically, it's not your debut collection because you have had one, but this is your debut reprint collection. Yes. So, Hard Places and is I, coming out. I guess the previous collection was the little 12th Planet, um, yes. part of the 12th Planet series. But, this but is they were a, all original a, a, stories. They were. This is a broader yeah. collection, which is about 20 years, I realised, from, because it was, COVID kind of messed up a few things, but um, when I was... Um, sending it round, it, it was kind of 20 years of fiction. If if it had been sort of released in 2020-ish, <laughs> it would have been a very nice 20 years. So from the first publication date of the first story to when I wrote the novella, which is the, the unpublished work in it, the titular work actually, Hard Places, I wrote that in a, a very, very early 2020. So And I think the first publication date was, um, yeah, 2000. So about 20 years of fiction. What's extraordinary about the stories is that they are timeless, Kirsten. Oh, except really? When char- <laughs> except, well, except when the characters use their mobile phones. That's that's takes or, you or, out of the story. Or don't use them. Or don't use them, correct. Because <laughs> they don't have them because the stories are that old. Correct. But, you know, well, well, there's, well no, 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 I'm putting aside the historical <laughs> story, you know, the, the Mary Wollstonecrafts. I'm putting that aside. I'm putting the, the contem- so-called contemporary stories. It's interesting how technology has changed. That's the only it thing is. I noticed about the whole collection. I didn't particularly take anything much more out of the store. No, I'm kidding. It's a very good collection. <laughs> Thank you. You should be proud. Thank, I am proud. I am proud. It was interesting to go through all of my work and just pick out the 18-odd stories that I thought were my, you know, the, the, the best ones I'd done that also provided a... I guess, a range, because when you read a whole collection, you don't want every story to be, what did you say? Gothic grunge. <laughs> yes. I do say in my review uh, that, and I, a very, so I'm reviewing it for Locus, and, um, yes, yeah, so uh, no conflict of interest there. But, Absolutely um, No, I do make it very clear, though, um, that we know each other, if people hadn't figured it out. But, um, I do, well, because part of what I say is that these stories for me, uh, have a personal connection because I remember reading a bunch of them, not all of it, but a bunch of them in early drafts. Mm. So, and then reading the final draft before it went out to the wide world. So it was interesting just for me from a uh, nostalgic point of view, not that, not that I saw the stories nostalgically, no, it but was, it there was, was a nostalgic yeah. feeling to revisit them but again, uh, having not read them for many, many years. So there was for me as well. That, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, it was—it was just—it was—it was an interesting look at, uh, at our friendship that's been about mm. as long as these stories. So, yeah, yeah. So, the, the, well, our, our, we our friendship would be older than the oldest story in that collection. So, there you go. Yes, and I've canonized our first meeting in the review. <laughs> are you still? Are you still talking about this? It's rude what you did. It was not rude. It was fine. It's rude. <laughs> 
Would you like you to don't very, do that to very quickly tell the listeners who may not read the Locust review? So, uh, so one thing I wasn't sure of because it's so <laughs> long ago. Whether it was, I'm pretty sure it was your story in Blood Songs Three. That's what I've. It, it uh, was. Which was the and the moon and the moon yelps, which is not yeah? in the collection. No, <laughs> but. Um, so, so as as was the case at the Maori Chef Hotel back in the day in the, in the mid Maori Chief, Maori Chief, yep. whatever you get it. Um, the the <laughs> sorry, apologies. The um, the we were all talking about the latest issue of Blood Songs because the two editors of said magazine were you know either were they running the Australian Melbourne Horror Society or they were they, oh, anyways they're involved. Know, they, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, so we were discussing it. You had just arrived in Melbourne yep. to live. Yep. I didn't know who you were. This is key to this story. You asked me what I thought of that story without telling me who you were. Yeah. As it happened, I said that I loved it and I thought it was one of the strongest stories in the in the in the thing. And she said, and you said basically, as I remember it, that's good because I wrote it. That's how you introduced yourself. And 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 based on your answer, we have been friends for more than twenty years. So what? So I did. So I do say in the review, if I'd said, you know, I've never actually thought, what if I'd said something different, the counterfactual, because you're a really good writer and I don't think I would have ever not liked your work. Aren't we both lucky? Yeah. Oh, uh, the, the, oh the different universe our lives could have gone into. Who else did you do that trick to, by the way? I don't think anyone else, because I don't think I ever had another opportunity to do that. <laughs> and it worked so well the first time. You don't want to jinx it by... So yeah, great. So, um, yeah. Anyway, that's uh, that's uh, that's hard places. Did you out on July twenty second or thereabouts? Yep. I don't know so, if I'll have a link I can put in these show notes by the time I publish them. I'll see if I do. I'll put ah, one in. I I got your publisher to put up a link on Goodreads. So that's there. Oh, yeah, perfect. Yes. Thank you. I hadn't checked. I've been away. I haven't checked. So I will. <laughs> I will. I will put that up at least. Uh, um, so when this goes out, it's um, it, you know it may already be out in the world. So please Huzzah. buy it. It is as a retrospective of your work. It's uh, it's quite fantastic. Thank you. And there is one new, a new unpublished uh, original story, story which I'm I'm actually really proud of. And as it turns out, this and I think I say that somewhere in my um, author notes, but as it turns out, this collection it has a very clear line now drawn after it because it is. 100% pre-COVID stories, Hard Places I wrote book just before COVID began. And it's, uh, I, I think, consciously or, or otherwise, my work uh, will have changed since COVID. So this is an interesting kind of line to draw. I'll, I'll look, I'm, I'm, I'll apologise in advance. I speak less about the titular story. <laughs> you know, I've only got 800 words. But it's my newest to... baby. Oh, but I've only got 800 words, so, I, you know, I sort of... It's, it's not my newest baby anymore. I've written stuff since, so it's okay. Uh, I, but I, I'm more, anyway, let's not talk about the review. Okay, so the review is it's a wonderful Peter writing by me, of Thank course. You. Um, of course. Yes, no problems. No problems. Um, so <laughs> uh, let's, let's talk, let's review two books. Let's review two books. And what would those two books be? Um, one would be Dance Move by Wendy Erskine, and the second would be. Ariadne, I Love You by J. Ashley Smith. Yes. And the first one is a collection and the second one is a novella. So quite different. It's not, that is not a novella. That's that's not even, it's, it's no. It's, it's not a novella. shorter than that? It's about 17,000 words. So it doesn't make it a novelette. And I, look, it depends on your metrics. No, I, no this, this, this is important, Kirsten. The entire discussion is going to be on how Because I, I have seen categorize. metrics which even which don't even acknowledge the existence of novelettes and they say 15 and over novella. So it depends yeah, on how in, you do it. In, that's in the literary world. But as we know, in the Locust slash uh, Hugo world, it's a different story. Oh, okay, yeah, no, okay. No. If, you, yeah, if you're tracking for award <laughs> eligibility, sure. <laughs> No Hugo yeah, Award novella for you, J. Ashley Smith. <laughs> no, that's well, no, no. If, if, if no, for novelette. Um, yes, that's what I mean. Like no novella award. You need to yeah, go no to novelette. No. Yes. Yes. Yeah. As if that's like a dirtier, lesser, <laughs> lesser category. We all know uh, it is. Of, of we all know it is. The, the, oh, the flagship very... award is novel, and you know everything else goes on a sliding scale. <laughs> I jest, <laughs> listeners. I jest. I am a short story writer. I completely jest. Anywho, 
So, Wendy Erskine, the reason I picked uh, Dance Moves was because um, uh, I had read her her debut collection, Sweet Home, back in 2018, 2019. It was, uh, I think it, it, it was a... It was a nominee for the Republic of Consciousness Prize back in 2019, which is why I read it because it was a, it was a shortlisted, and I loved it. And and, and it's a bunch of uh, ten stories, uh, much like this, set around Belfast, much like this, dealing with characters who are either on the fringes or well, not on the fringes of society. That you know, because there's an interesting mix uh, who are coming to terms with. Uh, to, to a degree, sometimes it's a life unlived or disappointment or just general uh, moroseness, uh, but in a way that is uh, quite funny often. Uh, there's a certain acerbic sense of humour, at least in this, and I think in the case of this collection too, uh, but also quite poignant. And that's my review. Of Sweet Home. <laughs> so that's Sweet Home. Which could also be move. your review of Dance Move, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think th- there's a similarity between the two books. Now, to be clear, Sweet Home is astonishing. This is less so. Mm. So Dance okay. Move, I didn't like as much. Uh, I found it less uh, yeah, uh, less striking a, a set of stories than I did with Sweet Home, which is, an open, which is a, a debut collection and maybe has been – because I didn't look at the history of when the stories, individual stories were published and how many original and blah, 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 but may have been curated in a certain way that it's a stronger – as such, it's a stronger collection than her, her follow-up. But that's not to say I, I actually liked a lot of the stories in Dance Move. What about you, Kirsten? I, I like them. It didn't blow me away. Um, well, why but, not, Kirsten? Well, I, I actually think part of it might have been I was just having a very – I was just having a month. So um, it was one of those months where it was just hard to read anything, to be honest. I was kind of squeezing in time. and um, But no, I mean, it, it, I, I liked them. I thought they were doing some interesting things. There were a couple stories in there which were like really, really standout stories. But I think maybe it's because I felt overall the, the rhythm of this collection was that, this is going to sound awful. I was going to say flatlining, and that's not what I meant. I just, um, you know, it, it just felt very, very sort of the same. Almost all the stories followed the same kind of rhythmic structure and tone. And I, I don't know, I think it kind of got a little bit wearing by, by the end of it. That's the same. So in Sweet Home, it's the same. Mm. Um, there is one story in Sweet Home which is ex- clearly experimental. It's uh, I can't look. I'm not going to remember the title of a story I read five years ago, but essentially it's written as like 77 facts about a character, mm-hmm. and it's written that way. And in fact, one fact too, and and that is and it is like this 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 um, thing that exists outside outside as if it's not part of her canon. It, it, it's it's so different to everything mm. else. And here there is none of that at all. There's not even mm. a, a hint of experimentation. It's all pretty much straight down the line. Having said that, I think she's a very interesting writer in as much as these are, I don't think these are straightforward stories, narratively speaking, structurally, yes, but it's, it's how she, it's the things that are not said in these stories are what make them so interesting. Yeah. And, and look, so I suppose that's the thing. If that's a trick that you go, okay, that was really cool. You did that. Oh, you've done it again. You've done it again. You've done it again. That could be, wearisome I, I i see but to me that's just how she writes that's that's part mm. of what she is um i mean if i go back I, I will finish this point in a second but if i go back to the opening sentence of the opening story mathematics um the drawer besides roberta's bed contained remnants of other people's fun a small mother of pearl box inlaid with gold a lipstick that was stripe was a stripe of fuchsia a lucky charm in the shape of a dollar sign and and i love that opening sentence and it also speaks to what the story is going to be about and is about, mm. but it doesn't. But in my view, she doesn't belabor. Erskine doesn't belabor that point. It's there. No, it opens yeah. it, and then and then and then the taste of that opening sentence threads through the rest of the story. Does that make sense? It does, and I, I really liked mathematics. I, I think that story was really good. And what Erskine does is she has this elegant subtlety to her writing, where a lot of the the explanations around a character or around the circumstances are left, you know, explicitly unsaid and it, they're in there, but the reader needs to 
to kind of work through them um, while you're reading the story. Uh, and, and mathematics is part of that because you, you know, you're not really told explicitly what Roberta's situation is. And it's interesting because in reading some of the reviews around this, there are, there are reviewers who called her a teenager. There are reviewers who um, called her a young woman. Um, only one reviewer that I found said what, what I felt is that she has some um, either intellectual disability or, or or neuroatypicality so oh, wait only one reviewer picked that up yep yep everyone else was saying everyone else i think was putting it down like they said oh she's a teenager but i i saw her as a young like a, a, a an adult a woman probably a younger woman but with with either a developmental delay or yeah i or mean something. it's in the title yeah. in a sense because the title is mathematics and there's a, the story is about this young woman who who cleans houses and finds an eight-year-old who's yeah. been just abandoned essentially in one of the houses and she takes the girl yeah. with her. And, and, she, scene, and she has a very internal logic to why she does what she does. Yeah. But you read it and go, okay, she, th- this is a person who doesn't really understand how the world Correct. works. And, and there's a scene where the girl is doing her homework, mm. the eight-year-old from school, because she's still sitting at a school and yeah. it's maths, homework, and Roberta's not able to help. Yeah. Um, and, and you think, well, she's the girl's eight. So what's what's going on here? I think without saying it, it's said. And that it, I thought it said, and I thought it was very clear. But I, I think maybe some reviewers put her, you know, the way she views the world and the way she navigates the world, and so on, put it put it down to, oh, she must be just very young. But it's like to me, it was very clear that that she has some, um, yeah, as I said, developmental delay, intellectual disability, um, or or just a, a form of neuro atypicality um which which none of which is explicitly said but it seemed it was very uh the character was very well drawn um and it was it was odd to see a lot of reviews go oh yes this is about a teenage girl not not every review mentioned the story like the you know it's a collection so reviews will will pick out different stories that that particular reviewer wants to talk about but the ones that i did see mention it um only one of them pointed out that she was a, a young woman with uh you know a, an intellectual disability of some kind and it's like, yes, finally, did I did I make this up in my head? <laughs> <laughs> but I loved mathematics. I thought it was it was just like most of the stories in the collection. It was it was very subtly written, but very embedded in the character um, who's the protagonist of the story. Um, and you know, there most of them, all of them, are third person point of view. Was there any yeah. first? I think they're all third person. But I think very, they are. Yes very direct third person so quite embedded in the protagonist and their worldview and and what you know the, how they um go about their their life um and the other one which you know, the rest of them like I was reading like mathematics was really strong and then I'm reading through and the rest are not for me like they seem to be doing as you said kind of playing the same sort of tricks all those um, are, yeah I'll, okay keep going but, yeah. but then I got to sell which was for me yes, the other I, I, standout in this collection because it 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 just kept the reader so unbalanced and it's a fairly lengthy story and it's it's about a woman who who like interestingly again seems when you first start reading it seems like she could be quite young and actually no you realize no she's she's middle-aged um, and what she's done with her life as since her early university days um, has been to accidentally join a cult of some kind <laughs> Except not really a cult, a very, a, well, I was about to say a very well, exploitative. It's a grift, essentially. It, yeah, it is. It yeah. is. And, but, and, um, and it, you, you're very off kilter for much of it trying to put together the history of this woman because the story's told in the present day when she is away from that and trying to live some kind of a, a, a life separate to this group of people she was enmeshed with and exploited by for so long. And the reader is trying to put together what her life was and and who she was with and what was happening and but you know what's funny about that story that so, oh, she ahead. balances that so well like and you really don't get all the final pieces until the very end of the story and it's like oh my god it's not even what i thought it's worse than what i thought yeah but what what's interesting about that story for me is that the main character who we find who, there's this little moment where we, where we realize wow she's been in this house mm. for 25 years yeah but we but but <laughs> It's an almost because you said she's exploited, but it's almost 
anodyne how she's exploited. She's exploited because she, she she could leave at any time. They, they, they haven't locked the doors on her. She's not literally trapped in the house. She's just been psycho. Well, it's a psychological thing, isn't it? She's been what? What are you like? What? I, I'm just I'm just gonna pick you up there because even though this is not a story about domestic abuse. The things you're saying pretty oh, yeah. much reflect the idea of why don't women leave? They weren't locked yeah. in the house. Yes, that is terrible. <laughs> yes. Like she and but what this story does so skillfully is portray that kind of abusive and I said it's not um that they're not in a romantic um or, or domestic relationship of, of that kind, but it is an abusive relationship. You're that right, she's you're in right. With I, 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 you're right, you're right. And yeah, you're right. Right. And, and, and it, like the story opens me. with her continuing this, for want of a better phrase, institutionalized behavior that that that, that she's learned. Even though these people are no longer in her life and she's no longer in that situation, she is still going through her day, repeating a lot of the same patterns that that she has had to live by. And it's it's really really well done. I, I thought so was for for me. So was the best story in the collection. It it when it was. Like absolutely fabulous, um, and yeah, the, the rest for me didn't didn't reach that kind of a height. Although I did love um, Memento Mori as well. I oh, see. So I was um, going to mention Memento Mori yeah. if you weren't going to mention it because that that took a really interesting turn where what you thought the story was going to be was actually just prelude for what the story actually was. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's yeah. I mean, again, it's in the title. It's actually given. It, it's there in the title, yeah. but it, it, you don't. You you think that memento mori is something different to what it actually is, and it's 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 really really smart. And look, she, as she pulls off a similar a similar thing less successfully in uh, nostalgia. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is the story of the the rock singer or washed out. Oh, actually, no, he's not washed out because that's that's I'm confusing that with our next uh, You are. Uh, there, there were parallels there, though, wasn't there? <laughs> there were. Well, only in as much as he had a career, but he's not washed out because he's he's moved on to become a software developer. But every yeah. but he just feels the he's he's asked by this um, army. Well, well, he okay. This is the point. He thinks they're a division of the army or something who have chosen one of his songs as their anthem. And so he thinks, oh, I'll bugger it. I haven't sung it for years. I'll go and do it. And at, at, again, at like a dinner they're having, like yeah, an anniversary correct. event or something. Yep. And again, and this is a, then the truth hits home as to who they actually are. Which and, we won't mention. No. But, but, they're, but not, they're not who he thinks they are. And, and look, to be fair to Erskine, she does a really good job in that she doesn't just say, and this is who they are, and whoa! It, it is, it is, it is done in a really nuanced way, mm. but it still feels a bit not right. I don't know. There's something just it doesn't gel fully as a story. Um, yes, we all figure it out with uh, as long along with the the protagonist, but it, it just yeah, it just feels uh, uh, maybe obvious, but it's not obvious. It's it's odd. I don't know. I, yeah. I'm not explaining myself well. But I it's not it... as smart as what you get in Memento Mori and The Cell. It doesn't have that, and maybe because it's a much much shorter story than both of those. Maybe I think also perhaps that it feels uh, extravagant. The re- like of, of all the, the stories in this collection, that, you know, reveal, which isn't the right word to use for these types of stories, but that, that reveal feels extravagant. Whereas most of the other stories, when you kind of figure out what's happening, they are small, um, you know, I mean, the cell isn't like, you know, but also, as you say, as far as that kind of thing, it also seems just really petty and awful rather than this big dramatic thing. Um, and, and maybe that's what it is. Maybe the reveal in nostalgia when we, we find out, you know, why he was actually, what, why this group of people chose his particular song and who they are just feels a bit too too dramatic for for the collection that we've been reading. Perhaps I don't know. That's just a guess. But most of the stories, unfortunately, didn't didn't quite grab me. Um, but the, the you know two or three that were like this is really astonishing. And and maybe you get that in a in a collection of, of new work. You know, it's it just to me. I I just felt a bit flat reading it, which is sad because the, the stories that I liked, I really really loved. So it's part of what the, the collection. Is. So story like secret. We I actually find love this story. Secrets uh, secrets Bonita Beach. Crystal Cancun. <laughs> which is uh, the name of a resort. <laughs> which is the name of a resort and the name of the story. 
which is about um, two friends, uh, one who two female friends, one who goes off with her new boyfriend to that resort, and the other who's well jealous, frustrated that her friend has done that. Not that they are in a relationship, but there's just, and they're it's not, just they don't even seem to be that great friends. They're just two no. women who get together once a week and have takeaway, like the same yeah, takeaway. If anything, there's an element of frenemy to them, but not not, not even that. It doesn't even get to that stage. Yeah. But she's jealous, and so she goes and finds her own her own holiday to take, <laughs> and it is the worst. It is it is terrible. And, and it is about, and the number of the stories do this, about the fantasy v. the reality, and there is that, that, that's a, a theme that runs through the story. And I just found this one really funny because I'm going to spoil it because the other friend comes back having, you know, taken these photos of this great, this clearly gorgeous resort and basically goes, eh, it was, it was, it was, it was all a bit meh. You know, and, and, and that's not that's that's just a a, a, a a sort of a tag to the end of the story. It's not mm. the actual point. There's actually some really interesting stuff in the story about this place where um, the other the the, the 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 Linda, I think her name is, goes to, and you know, the, it just the the sense of um, decay and hardship and that's around the area that she's in and how that in, mm. that affects her. But um, yeah, it's just it's just that idea of fantasy versus the, the the harsh reality and you do see that in number in a number of stories like there's one called well dance gollum move itself and gollum as well and gollum yeah gollum is gollum is is like that dance move and gollum both do that so dance move is is essentially a, a mother daughter story mm. where the mother is just living in another world i mean she just doesn't she just doesn't seem to want to understand what what her daughter how her daughter feels what her daughter is experiencing is is completely just completely disassociated in a sense from her own daughter. And then Gollum, it's all these intertwining <laughs> relationships, uh, which, um, yeah, and no one, where no one seems particularly happy or mm. satisfied uh, and everyone's yearning for something else. And, and, that, and that a lot of that, there's a lot of yearning in these stories. I mean, mathematics, there's a lot of yearning. And maybe that's, I guess, the because you're right, that is definitely one of the themes about this idea of, of you know, imagining what something will be and, and to the point where you are repetitively fantasising about it and then that thing is not, if, if, if there's a chance of that thing being real, it, it, of course it's not going to be as good as you would have imagined it to be. Um, and, and the person you fantasised about having an affair with while they're across the world, you know, is, is wearing daggy slippers when you meet them. And it's like, okay, I don't, I'm out. But that, that to me, like that might be like a story, but it's such a, a mundane theme to me of like, of course, of course. And we all know that. And I don't know that Erskine did something interesting with that over, you know, the, the three or four stories where that was, kind of the the key plot line uh, on which everything hung. It just felt like, okay, this is another story where expectations have not been met. Sure, that happens every day. And while, while some of her stories like Mathematics and Cell and Memento Mori, I think did really interesting things with their characters and and the stories they were telling, I for me, half the collection was like, okay, that was a story. It was well told. Yeah, I think the other thing that's that, that's missing uh, when I compare it to a previous collection is that Belfast is a character, much stronger character in that, in those original uh, sto- ten stories mm. she wrote. It's a character in this, but not as strong, not as striking. These, to a degree, these stories could be set anywhere, it, like any urban sort of correct. Any yeah, any urban environment correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas Sweet Home. No, they they have a very well look. I've never been to Belfast, but it feels like that's to the me. That's the sense you got from yeah. The, the sense I got yeah. was that that it felt very Belfastian. Is that a word even? Um, it is that, now. That, well, <laughs> <laughs> whereas these 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 are a little bit more uh, disconnected from the environment that mm. they're set in. To me, um, and that that was something that was yeah. I, I was ex- I was expecting more of that. I mean, that's fair enough. It, Erskine would probably argue, well, I did all that already, so why would I do it again? Why would I that's do it again? I like your old correct. stuff better than your new stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair enough. But, but yeah, it just the mm. sense of place was – and, and I also I can also agree that, you know, there are authors who might say, well, look, yes, I'm a 
Irish or English or um, Chinese writer or whatever, mm. but I don't always need to write about the place that I am from, that it doesn't have to be everything I write because that's limiting and I get that. Uh, but, there, but there was a greater, but there was more power in Sweet Home because of it. So um, more, so, more cohesiveness to the story. Yeah, perhaps? and in fact, in fact, if I vaguely remember, there is a sort of vague thread that runs through each of the stories, mm. but I might be confusing it with another collection. I've read so many collections in the last <laughs> five years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you would have thought I would have researched this or reread Sweet Home, yeah. but no, of course no. I didn't. We don't have time for rereading. What? <laughs> uh, yeah, who rereads? Yeah, so it's a really terrible. I mean, you know, the, can I just say as an aside, the proper literary podcasts out there in the world, they do proper research and they do proper rereading and they really prepare for each episode. Yeah. Whereas me, uh, my preparation was setting this microphone up. So um, <laughs> I did read the books though. That's a plus. No, I, look, but that was just an impression that I got because I did go read back what I thought. Um, mm. I'd written some notes about Sweet Home back in the day. And, yeah, that was that's something that was missing, that, that yeah. Belfast element. As a collection for me, I don't, I don't think this worked. I think if I'd read any of these stories in another, you know, in an anthology, you know, in, on its own somewhere, um, I think all of them I would have thought that's a, you know, that's a really good story. It's doing interesting things. For me, the problem was putting them all together in this collection. A lot of them did the same interesting thing without surprising me in the way that mathematics did or, or cell did um, or memento mori. Like a lot of these are like, Oh, okay. Yep. Fine. Here's where we're going. And we got there and okay. Beautifully written. I mean, what Erskine does incredibly well is, is characterization. It, she, it's just amazing the way she draws these really complex characters who, if you looked at them from the outside, most of them you'd think that person can't be that interesting to follow around during their day. Um, you know, their life must be pretty boring f- to an outsider. Yeah. You know, but she makes them really compelling, interesting, likable characters. And when I say that, I don't mean they're likable people because a lot of them are not, but you like the characters. You're interested in them. You're engaged with them. You want to, you know, to, to hear what thoughts they have and, and how they view the world. And that's her strength. Yeah. Like a story like Mrs. D'Alessandro. De- mm. Uh, which, as a story, it's a bit cliched. It's the yeah. the wife, the the, the rich, you know, part, you know, the rich husband. He's having affairs, but she's sort of still in control, or he's able to, you know. Anyway, it's 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 an old, tired to me, an old, tired story. I still liked how it was written, though, and I still like the there's a there's a viciousness to her that that I found really interesting, yeah. but. It just, it just, it's just a trope you've seen done a million times before that Erskine doesn't do much with. And it's, that and I it's felt. the, it's the second story. So you yeah. read the collection, you start at mathematics, which is a high, very high bar, yeah. And then you read the second one. It's like, oh, <laughs> what am I getting into here? What, and it what? was another couple of stories before it got to another one for me that I went, wow, actually, no, this is good. One thing I think that story does though is it shows. Uh, and this is, again, something that's a little bit different about this collection is that th- there are different perspectives here, that it isn't just all, uh, that she's willing to look at n- non-working class characters, that it's or it's not all the, 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 the sameness isn't in the characters she chooses is, is the way I'm trying it's, to say. It's not, but what's interesting is if I'm kind of remembering correctly, and it has been a couple a couple of weeks since I, I, I read it, is there's definitely like her her characters who are more well-to-do and privileged are definitely less sympathetic oh, yeah, absolutely. Than, her, than her characters who are, you know, living day-to-day and, and well, struggling Gollum, to... Well, Gollum, Gollum's an example of that too. Oh, everyone in Gollum is awful. Like just the worst, the worst. <laughs> everyone. And Mrs. D'Alessandro is awful and her husband yeah. is awful. Like there is definitely a judgmental aspect to how Erskine writes about particular types of people Um, and you're much more sympathetic as I said towards people who are you know living in or close to poverty and struggling to make ends meet and and not having a lot of assets or privilege than you are for for characters who don't have those concerns. So on a final word well, I'm, not, I'm not saying I disagree with that bias, but, but I think but that's why. That, I think though <laughs> that that's why that story comes second because in terms of perspective, it's just so radically different mm. to mathematics. And if I had to guess, that's me speculating. Anywho, yeah. uh, look, I still think this is a good collection. Yeah, uh, I think I would recommend it, but I would actually probably point people to 
her debut collection. That would be my first. I, I would be interested in reading that because I, I think she's she's a very powerful writer in a lot of ways, and I'm really happy I read this just for for mathematics, cell, and momentumori. I mean, I'm really happy I read it for those stories because, especially cell, is just astonishing. It is such a good story and. So just expertly written, subtle, layered. It's it's just amazing. Um, and I guess I'm just a little <laughs> unfairly disappointed <laughs> that the whole collection wasn't stories like Mathematics and Cell. But again, that's just me. There'll be other readers who read this and go, no, these are fantastic. And in, in the reviews that I, I skimmed, it you know, as is often the case with a collection, different reviewers will, will have a standout story. So there was one that, that said Gollum was their favourite story and it was amazing. It's like, really? Gollum? Uh. <laughs> so it, it's, you know, horses for courses. And that is, again, the beautiful thing about collections and anthologies is that there's always usually something worth reading in them, no matter what your preference is. <laughs> Which is which was the last line of my review of Hard Places. There's always something worth reading. There's always something worth reading. You'll yeah. find you'll find something in here. You'll find something. <laughs> you'll need to go digging, but you'll find something. You'll find something. Just careful yeah. of the bones and the corpses yeah. while you're digging. But anyway, <laughs> uh, that leads us on to our second uh, book, which is a novelette. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> We could leave that aside now. I am. I'm. You. You might have seen Ian from the um, the show notes that I sent through. That I have already chosen my next two books after next month, and they're both novellas. Because <laughs> like, I'm reading short books for the rest of this year. Um, I am not going to be pressured. Oh yeah, by... you have too. I, I didn't actually notice that in the show notes. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, so yes, Ariadne, I love you. So, Kirsten McDermott, <laughs> why did why did you choose this uh, book? It's just another one of those books which has been doing the rounds of my social feeds. Kirsten, 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 should I stop asking you this question? That's going to be my, my answer for pretty much everything. It's like I saw it, someone someone mentioned it, another person mentioned it, a third person mentioned it, and it sounded interesting. It's You know, there's lots of books which I see go past, but I just go, oh, I don't think that's for me, and I'm probably wrong. But um, but this one, um, the way it was talked about, it sounded like that sounds like a really interesting book. Meerkat Press published it. They're a small, I guess, medium press, and they're doing really um, – um, interesting work and publishing really interesting authors. So, well, let's 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 see what what this one's about because it does sound quite interesting. And I can read the um, blurb for the book, which sums it up quite. quite it's actually a really good blurb, um, and it is. Jude is dragged out of alt-country obscurity, out of this dismal loop of booze and sadness baths and the boundless, insatiable loneliness to scrub up and fly to Australia for a last desperate comeback tour. Hardly worth getting out of bed for, and he wouldn't if it weren't for Corrine. But Corrine is dead, and worse than that, she's married. Jude's swansong tour becomes instead a terminal descent into the sordid past, into the meaning hidden in forgotten songs, into Corrine's madness diary, there to waken something far worse than her ghost. Which is really good. Like That sums it up quite nicely without revealing too much, I thought. Can I just say straight off the bat, this yep. has one of the best lines I've read about why people about why people choose to do philosophy, given that I have a You have a philosophy masters. <laughs> yes. So can I can I read that line? Please. Because I think it's a mic drop. It's uh, the character says, I'd chosen philosophy for all the obvious reasons. Innate laziness and a complete lack of skill or ambition for anything other than music. Oh, that's harsh. Um, look, I don't even have a talent for music, but that sums me up to a T why I chose to do philosophy. <laughs> so hopefully uh, my, uh, you know, my, what is it, uh, my dissertation, what are they called? Oh, hopefully my, profe- my, my professor's not thesis? listening. Could Dirk, yeah, my thesis uh, professor, whatever, is not oh, – I've forgotten the name. Uh, <laughs> he's a, I, don't, I don't remember his name, Dirk. I hope he's not listening because it's he'll be horrified. <laughs> well, actually, he's a, he's a Facebook friend, but uh, I, I hope he's not listening to that because uh, he'd be shocked. Actually, probably not so much. Um, but, yeah, it, uh, seriously, the best line <laughs> about what <laughs> – it's because it, it reminded me of what my father said on my wedding day yes. in his speech. 
having said multiple insults about me, uh, he's the the one that, that that springs to mind to most people and myself is he uh, he studied. You know, my son he studied philosophy, which means uh, when he when he can't get a job, he'll know why. <laughs> oh, that is that is harsh. Yes, oh my that's goodness. what my father said. My father said that. Anyway, that's uh, irrelevant. Uh, I just thought I'd point that out because it did strike me. Um, well, philosophy is important to the book because the two two of the characters meet um, uh, with one holding uh, Nietzsche in, in his hands. So that that's that that plays that yeah. obviously is key to the title of uh, of the book, which I didn't know. I didn't know that was a thing. The Ari, did you no, know? You no, no, I ha- no, I hadn't. No, because I don't really care about Nietzsche. So. <laughs> Just... No, I didn't know that was you to me. Um, the whole madness letters of Nietzsche that he wrote to all these different people in this period. And, um, yeah, no, <laughs> it was quite interesting. But, I mean, Jude, who is the, um, you know, the, the protagonist here, and it's it's a first person, it's, it's all first person, actually, even when it's not Jude's perspective. I mean, he's oh, God, I just wanted to slap him so many times. <laughs> but he's, he's a, you know, it's it's... His past, he was in London. He was a sh- in a share house with um, his friend Ben, who who he'd met. They're, they're philosophy students, and Ben's girlfriend, Corrine, is who um, becomes the unfortunate focus of Jude's romantic obsession. Um, and he's just an awful person. <laughs> okay. So make it clear, I think this is a very well written, you can mm. tell there's a big butt coming here. <laughs> the, I, I, I think this is very well written. I, I actually I actually liked all the stuff uh, around just the, the creation of music. The, I'm always interested in how mm. inspiration and creativity and how things come to be. I just think do we need another story about a man obsessed by a woman uh, an unrequited love and a sort of, even though nothing untoward, so to speak, from a physical, it's psychological though. There is a, there isn't, there is a sort of abuse of a sort, you know, that the whole Aradney, I love you is, um, yeah. and uh, you know, is abusive. And as much as it's, you know, he knows that, uh, she's about to get married to Ben and well, he well, sends it anyway. It. And, and, this, it's, yeah, and then he turns up at the wedding. And he turns like, up to the wedding. I mean, it's. He is an asshole. Do it's, we need another story like this written? I mean, because this wasn't written 20 years ago. This was written 12 months ago. Do, did, does the world need this story is what I'm trying to say. And, that, and I know that's a really harsh thing to say. Does, because does it's, cause, the world need any I, stories? Well, no, but given everything that's going on, I mean, I suppose if. Yeah, so, so I think the, the argument would be, well, clearly we're meant to see him as a dick. No one is saying that you should feel sorry if, for Jude. And I've forgotten his name. Uh, sorry, so I apologise. Uh, but it's Jude, yeah? It's, Jude, uh, yep. Yeah. I, I, I think that the intent is to make him out as someone who's not a particularly nice person and who's to an extent coming to terms with the fact that they're not a nice person who has some self-awareness that they've done this and they realise it's wrong. And I get that. that. There is a journey here. I get that. But did we need that? Do we need that sort of story? I mean, don't we already know this? It, what is this story saying that we don't already know about that sort of character? Do you get what I'm saying? I, I get what you're saying. I feel like that's a that's a very high bar you're placing for all fiction, though. No, I just no. I think just in the time, mm. I, it, it, right now, do do we need? The sort of vaguely redemptive, it's not even redemptive, but vaguely it's not redemptive. Re- that's what I liked about it. It is not redemptive. Um, what was what was really interesting okay, is... So, so, so not redemptive, but, 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 but just in the sense of the character finding self-awareness, okay? So that arc, because I still think, look at what you did. So great, well done. You've you figured out that you did the wrong thing, but it, this is still terrible. And, I was, and, and what I'm saying is do we need... That sort of story. Does that story actually do much in the great scheme? I know. I know. I'm being very. I know. It's, I know. I, <laughs> I mean, know. probably not. No, <laughs> but I don't think. I just I don't, it's, I, it's a tiring trope. I just don't like it. I don't see the point of it. I don't yeah, understand no. what it's trying to achieve. Yeah. Look, I I'll, I'll say it, it. I I didn't like this as much as I'd hoped I would. It was. It's a good length for the story. It is. If it had been longer, I think it would have gotten very wearing. 
what I what I liked about it, I mean, apart from the writing, which is really good, is I think what I liked about it was actually the sh- the shadow narrative um that we got that we got to see and it was it was interesting i think as i said i think the length is perfect because you you couldn't do it at a longer length but we we get to see kareen it's actually really well done because we get to see kareen and we get to know her and at least for me at no point in the story did i think kareen was ever in love with or potentially in love with jude and there's nothing that she said or didn't. All the stuff he, he, he read into, it's like, no, you're an idiot. She doesn't like you. She's with Ben. What the hell? She's being nice. She's having a conversation. Um, and we get to see that through these characters' eyes who thinks, you know, there's something there, who thinks it's all an unrequited thing and if she wasn't with Ben, she'd be with me, um, who reads into her every action and word something completely different that the reader isn't seeing, which I think is quite remarkable. And I think that, for me, that was different. That was different. To be able to to see this really awful character who's completely, you know, in this fantasy land about the world, about, you know, about his music, about who he thinks he loves, everything, about his music, about his talent, about um, his drive and ambition, which he doesn't have. That's his big problem. He just doesn't forget, you know, philosophy. He doesn't have a drive or ambition for anything. And and we get to, to see that in this first-person narrative, uh, which is really interesting. And yeah, we... you're right. No, you are, yes. So we see, we get Corinne's perspective without her perspective. It's really, yeah. it is, it's really smart. It's good. And when it he turns really up smart. to the wedding, you know, and I was questioning myself, it's like, well, am I just reading into something which isn't there? And, and maybe the book is trying to say, no, there is a, but he turns up to her wedding and she just says to him, I've actually highlighted the line. I love it. I love it. Um, you know, she, she turns up to the wedding and she, you know, um, she sees him and it's like, what the, you know, what the fuck are you doing? You sent me that letter, you know, which was just, again, Ariadne, I love you. Like he even plagiarizes his freaking poignant love letters. He can't even bother coming up with something real and genuine of his own. And you sent me this before my wedding and now you've turned up. What the fuck do you, did you think I was just going to run away with you? And, and she says to him, he goes, you don't have the first faintest fucking clue about me or about Ben or anyone because all you give a shit about is yourself. And it's like, that's a mic drop. Well done, Corrine. Well done. And it's, and, and it's only at that point that he begins to think, oh, maybe she never actually really loved me. It's like, you think, dude? Do you think? And at this stage, you know, he's not a 20-year-old. Like, it's like, have some perspective. <laughs> but, and that's what I liked about it. Like, at no point for me as a reader, except in a meta way, was I thinking Corrine actually liked him or was leading him on or if it wasn't for Ben. At no point. And that's no, quite the, remarkable. No, he, no, it's quite he, remarkable. He, does, he, he does a terrific job in that. I, mm. I hear, and, I, and yes, I see all that. I sort of question the supernatural elements towards the end. I don't know why they're there. I, again, can you explain it to me? Because it felt, I felt that's, there was a, look. I felt that was tacked on. I felt that so, didn't so it's a organically complete story come without out. It. It is. Look, regardless of what my views are, whether we need stories like this at the moment, blah, blah, mm. blah. You ignore all that, that, that ramble. It tells a complete story without the supernatural element. I didn't get any of that. I didn't understand why. It felt that was there just because this he's a horror writer and I just felt that that, that's, that it already was telling a horrific story without, you know, and horrific psychologically speaking, yeah. without the supernatural element. So I don't. Because, you know, Corrine, um does die. She She's dead at the opening yes. of the story. She she has already died. Um, she's died before Jude gets to Australia. He, he doesn't even find out she's dead until he. Because, again, this is Jude. I'm just going to go to Australia. We're going to have this reunion and maybe her marriage with Ben will have fallen apart. And he gets there and, and, and she's dead. And part of it, like he, he's sad that she's dead, but mostly he's sad because he didn't get to see her again. Yes. <laughs> it's like, fuck you. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, and seeing Ben and seeing their children. And again, we get to see this life she had and her death is tragic. And I don't mean like romantic, gothic, tragic. Her death is awful. It's yep. so awful. 
and and that's really well done. Like there, there's so much, but I agree with you. And I read a couple of interviews with Jay Ashley Smith uh, around this story, and two things were really interesting. He said that this is uh, he came back to this after. Um, a, a, a number of years he'd written some kind of a foot like written into not not completed it but started writing a story um and he ca- that he came back to and he said when um you know in that first draft uh, jude was was intended to be and, and was an unmitigated asshole um and, and when he discovered what the story was actually meant to be he he wanted to turn that back and make jude more sympathetic and i thought i didn't didn't really work <laughs> i mean I empathise with him. I could understand where he was, and I think he was drawn really well. But I wasn't sympathetic to him. He was a dick. I didn't think. I didn't. Not think the same. He, he man, Ashley Smith managed to bring him back <laughs> from that, which is interesting. And the other thing he said in in one interview, and I will I'll find these and link them in the show notes because they were quite interesting interviews about his writing process and so on. Was that he he said often with his work. Uh, he he might have like a supernatural thing that he starts with and then he gets really interested in the characters and their story and the supernatural thing almost seems like not secondary. necessary but but secondary and yeah. and I thought yeah I can I can see this in that and I kind of wish that had just been left on the cutting room floor but also I didn't understand what it, what what was going on cuz yeah I I didn't feel the book committed to that yeah, and so is it an you know there's this thing about an incu is it an incubus or succubus or some ghost or is it and and it's it he's imagining it's Kareen. I mean obviously this is all this is all playing into the idea that she was his muse. Which yeah. Anyway, um, oh, but, no, I know because I love because this book is a takedown of that idea of the the tortured male genius and his you know diaphanous female muse uh, because. Corinne's not a Corinne's no one's muse. In fact, if in fact, as you say, and 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 yes, and again, I've been negative about this book, but one thing it does really well is it makes clear that this guy has very few original thoughts, and in fact, in fact, he's basically stolen the scratchings of Corinne, so she's not even his muse as much as just the person she he plagiarized off to yeah. do this 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 song that 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 he is known for before he you know pisses his career up, up against a wall. But so, so yeah, I do love the fact that it plays against that whole mm. idea of the, 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 the diaphanous, what did you say? The diaphanous uh, muse? <laughs> I yeah. can't remember. But, well, what's yeah. embedded in the, this idea of the muse, it, we, and the muse is almost always female and yeah. the tortured artist is almost always male, is it, that that is who the muse is. That is all she is. She is the muse. And Corrine is like, no, Corrine is her own person. She has her own life. She has a wonderful life before her her illness and her death. You know, she has her own life, and we don't we don't get to see it because Jude doesn't care. He hasn't kept up with her or Ben, but we we can see what's been left behind, and we can see that she had this long, loving marriage and these two children, and we can see she had her life. She had a life. She wasn't amused. She wasn't, that's, you know, Jude's constructed this idea of who Corrine is. And it's just, and we get to see how hollow and, and useless that is, much like Jude himself. <laughs> I really hated him. And here's what's interesting. I really hated Jude. Like I just, as I said, almost from page one. And for me, there, there was no, you know, redemption for him. And there was none of that. And yet I was still quite engaged in the story. Yeah. And, I, and again, I feel like I'm backtracking on everything I've said, but I'm going to go back to my original point. But mm. I was also engaged mm. and I enjoyed it. I, again, again, I found that the supernatural didn't work for me. I found the sort of bits in italics that are a little bit uh, fragmentary stream of well, consciousness. That's, that's how I read that was that's actually excerpts of what Corrine was writing in her in her mental state because of, and we probably won't say everything about it. because Okay. But the, the, I felt that that's Corrine's voice. Okay, that's, yeah, we we see her. I, I'd, assume, I'd assume that, but yeah. I, again, it didn't. It didn't look. I, suppose, I don't know. I Kirsten, I want. I'm not sure it's, they it's, they they fit in the story because I I and I'm not sure that that should be all we see of Corrine firsthand. They you know they they work to unbalance things. Your part of the problem is this is not Jay Ashley Smith's. Fault. This is probably, it's not you, it's me. Um, it's that <laughs> to get, to subvert an idea, you have to introduce the idea. And I just hate this 
particular trope of the the, the tortured artist yeah. um, uh, who 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 is is obsessed with themselves and no one else. And you're right. He does a terrific job at, at subverting that by giving voice to the muse, uh, uh, to Jude's muse, and actually making her a fully fleshed character, and that is terrific. I just find this whole thing tiresome, not in the, not in the way in a way because I feel like what well, well, I just I don't know I just don't yeah I I, I think I've seen it's, it so many it's times. Not a, it's not a book for you. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. But no, every book should be for me, Kirsty. Every that's, book. That's every book should be for you. Yeah. Like as I, I didn't, I didn't adore it. I think there were definitely some weaknesses in it, and part of that was I don't think, the, as you said, the supernatural element felt a little forced and and unnecessary for the story that it ended up being told. And maybe um, it, it, this was kind of an artifact left over from conception that that should have been left left behind at the end. And, and the other thing that did niggle at me, and there's some beautiful, beautiful descriptive passages in this book, and it's primarily like the, the current story is set in, in Australia and Jude goes out to this weird um, train carriage sort of holiday home that Ben and Corrine had that, that, she, that they must have let friends use because it's filled with these notes from Corrine for, for whoever comes to stay here. And it's, it's interesting, isn't it, because Jude <laughs> reads these notes as though they're written to him. It's like they, they were not written. She never had you in her head when she wrote these notes to whoever was going to come and stay here. But it is nice to see her voice in them. So he goes out to the Australian, uh, to the bush somewhere in this, this sort of train carriage and um, to have his sad little musician mental breakdown. Um, sorry, that was really dismissive. <laughs> that's really um, what it is. That's a fair, fair description. And I felt like someone who's from England, from London, Suddenly knows a lot of the names of birds here, <laughs> and I felt like that was that was a bit of a, a writerly thing. As much as I appreciated a lot of his descriptive writing, like he wouldn't know some of this, these words, and that did cast me out a little bit of the story. It's like, oh, that's the, the author who knows what that that bird is, but Jude wouldn't know what that bird is. He would come up with a weird description of that bird or, or what it sounded like. So there was, you know, there were things where I thought could definitely be strengthened, but. Overall, for the for the length this was and what it was doing, I, I enjoyed reading it. I'd be very interested to read more of J. Ashley Smith's work, um, which, which so would which I, is out there. by the way. Uh, so you know, I don't want yeah. people to think. Uh, there's yeah. a there's one that I'm quite interested in called the Attic Tragedy, which, which sounds very cool. Yeah, and and his descriptive writing in here, some of the the descriptions of the environment in of where Jude is um, is really really evocative and. The you know the, the way he does actually play with like Jude's perspective and what he's seeing or thinking he's seeing is, is pretty cool. Um, like I said, I would not have wanted it to be any longer. I think that would have stretched um, the capacity of this particular story. But for for what it was, short, neat, in and out. Um, Jude's an asshole. Muses is a junk theory. <laughs> well done. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and I'll just say yeah. Clearly, it just wasn't a story uh, for me. But like. Like I said on Twitter, I didn't hate it. Uh, I certainly, uh, you know, like that, that line, the philosophy bit, that's, just, <laughs> that's a killer for me. And actually I highlighted a number of passages uh, in the book that I just thought were beautifully written. I think, mm. there, I think there is just some really, uh, you know, there's, a, there's an elegance to, to his prose that's, you know, it's, 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 there's some beautiful imagery here. Mm. Even though you, you hate Jude, like you say, you still empathise with him. Yeah. And that's partly because the it's written so well, and 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 yeah, that, and and that's why I would be really keen to read more, more by um, Ashley Smith because it's it, because clearly there's yeah this story itself as a story, not my t- cup of tea, yeah, but you know th- there there is clearly great writing here and there's. And he's clearly a great writer. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. Well, because it's not it's not easy to pull off, regardless of my thoughts about the plot. Just some of the the, the sentence that just at a sentence level, it's just yeah. Gorgeous. No, the, no. There is absolutely fantastic writing here on on like in terms of craft and on a sentence level, um, it's really good. And I think if I think choosing the first person was an excellent choice, mostly because it really just honed the. The Judeness of Jude, 
just perfectly. Yeah, and because funny, if there'd been I... any, if I felt that this story was demanding any more sympathy from me for Jude, I really would have been pushed away from it. And and a third person point of view might have done that, but a first person point of view just turned into Jude going, "Oh, please feel sorry for but me." But doesn't it like, bother no, you? you. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I was going to win the conversation, but doesn't it bother you that that there was an attempt made by Ashley Smith to? Make you nice, The other point he makes in that interview is that, and I have felt this as a as a writer as well. In fact, interestingly, <laughs> one of the stories in Hard Places, um, which is called "She Said," is a muse story and and a deconstruction of the the artist muse idea, and and my protagonist in that story is an asshole and a selfish, self involved asshole. <laughs> but I remember being at a Shortly after it was published at a at a conference uh, on a on a panel with with Karen Warren, um, and I forget what the panel was about, but we were and, and this story came up and and Karen said, "Oh my God, yes, he is such a monster." And I went, "Well, I don't know that he's a monster. I mean, she goes, no, he's a monster." And it's like, well. I- know that he's that bad and then because this is how you sometimes feel as an author even though you're writing these monstrous characters you you still feel like well are they that bad and that's sort of what jay ashley smith is saying is like you kind of as the writer you almost automatically feel this closer connection to your characters even if you're writing absolute unmitigated assholes um so i can understand that from an author's point of view but I feel that the the choice of point of view in this story, the way the narrative was written, was ju- it was the perfect choice because the whole thing all the way through was, as I said, Jude saying, oh, please feel sorry for me. And it's like, no, I don't. And if it had been a third person one, even a really intimate, direct third person, there would have been that extra thing of please feel sorry for this character that I would have immediately um, bridled against. But when it was first person, it's less not. <laughs> I understand you. I don't feel sorry for you. you. You have brought this all on yourself. And it's just good that you really haven't taken anyone else down with you. So Because Kareen and Ben were far too smart for you to get caught in your ridiculousness. Well, just apart from the credit card companies, he owns money too. He took well, them true, down. True. Yeah, but who cares yeah. about credit card companies? <laughs> insurance is fine <laughs> uh, so i think i think what we come back with both these books is uh these are two very good writers terrific writers mm, yes uh, but we're this a may not cold. be their best work <laughs> yes yeah that, that that i think is the summary yeah and uh I will be – look, I'll certainly be reading more Wendy Erskine. That's no doubt about that. And mm. I will – so what was it – I think it's at the, the front of this Attic tra- – I'm going to buy it The, the Attic Tragedy um, sounds really good. And as I said, even though I had some some issues with this book, I think what it was doing was, was really smart and Jay Ashley Smith has pulled off a lot of really cool writer tricks here. Um, and I'm definitely interested in reading more of his work. Yeah, no, no. So I just noticed – I've just seen that uh, the Attic Tragedy tragedy – can't speak at the moment. It's on. It's on uh, the old uh, Amazon. So yeah, I'll I'll be purchasing a copy. So um, I'm not sure why I needed to tell you all that. I don't know either, but you know that's a nice plug. Um, it kind of always makes me a little bit sad when I when I read a, a new like a book by a new an author new to me, and it's it's not quite as great as I'd hoped it would be. But I know like like what you said, well, you found Sweet Home better than Dance Move, um, and you know maybe another of Jay Ashley's work will speak to me um, even more strongly than Ariadne did. Um, and it always feels like, oh, I, <laughs> I got up on the wrong foot here. I wish I'd read the other one first. But that said, it's like with both of these, they've, they've just made me want to read more of these authors' works. Yeah, exactly. That's how I feel. I think we're, I think we're done here then. No, no, let's keep going. Um, actually, I'm going to the movies with my daughter, so I have to go. So. What are you seeing? What just came out. So this is going to date this podcast. Uh, Thor, Love and... It seems like everyone I know is seeing that movie this weekend. A couple of weeks ago I saw Top Gun Maverick. No. No. Just no. Made me cry. Oh, do you know what? I just found out, literally, this is not hyperbole, I just found out um, two or three weeks ago when we were having a conversation with, with a friend uh, about Top Gun and... Uh, and I just found out that my, my husband of now 12 years 
owns, which means I own, by marriage, a copy of Top Gun on a DVD. I am not happy about knowing that that movie has been in my house it's for It's one of the great years. films of American exceptionalism and, it, uh, <laughs> and the sequel. I'm just like, are you telling me I own a copy of Top Gun? And he's like, yep. Because he always organises the DVD collection because he has a weird esoteric way of organising them, which also means when I want to watch something, it's usually like, Jason, where, what shelf would this be on? So I don't actually know all the DVDs that are in this house and I'm quite quite shocked that Top Gun is one of them. I was the perfect age for Top Gun. I was early teens. so Oh, I, was... I loved it when it came out and I was a teenage girl, of course, but it has dated so badly or I have aged well, one or the other, maybe both. So, so wrapping up, I don't know why we buy. I don't know. We diverted um, into Top Gun. Yeah, <laughs> I may or may not take that out. The wrap up is uh, next episode is obviously in August. We are doing two books. One of this Checkout Nineteen by Claire Louise Bennett, which I chose, mm-hmm. um, and the other is Such a Pretty Smile by Christy Demista, which. My copy came like 12 months ago, but yours, is it still in the mail or have you actually received it? No, it ended up arriving just before I left for Queensland. So I could have actually done it for this month. But no, I I do have it. It is in my possession. We can read the book. Yay. (laughs) The physical book because it's not out as an e-book for another 100 million years. So. Yeah, uh, please send feedback by commenting at the website, writerandcritic.podbean.com. Send an email to writerandcritic at gmail.com. Or you can follow us at Writer and Critic on Twitter, where I very rarely tweet. And sponsor us on Patreon <laughs> if you can, because uh, it will potentially pay for this wonderful new technology we're using. And thank you to our lovely patrons who do sponsor us every month. Yes, thank you very much. And on that note, that's it. Goodbye and enjoy the movie. Thor. Oh, God. (laughs) Talk to you next month. Bye. (laughs) It's the grunge aesthetic is part of what we are.